sorry, I just ran around the studio looking for uh, Julie. Then I remembered she's off today. Whoops. <laughs> Got my steps in. Anywho. Hi, guys. Welcome to the program. It is Friday. Very excited. Uh, 12.08 on the show. Uh, Tom O'Keefe, of course. And Mr. Maximilian, who you'll hear from in a moment, landed another giveaway. So we'll have that coming up. And, uh, man, a bunch of other things. Um, Richard Lewis passed away the other day. And, um, that one really hit me hard. I wouldn't say we were friends. He did the show four or five times. But to fans, he um, he managed to, to garner the adoration of several different generations with work he's done. Most recently, the stuff on on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, and then Double Whammy, right before showtime, I learned fr- from the Wendifer show that Bob Heil passed away. Uh, and that one really smacked me. He was he was a good friend. Um, and we talked for years and years and even more years. And it was very handy at one point because he was going to the CES every year. So we'd get updates on the Consumer Electronics Show because he was in the room. Our conversation sometimes would go into the woods as he'd get a little techy. <laughs> and I'd start, you know, getting lost. But really, man, just a wonderful guy. And, of course, you're hearing us through Heil microphones as well. And he promised me it made me sound skinnier. So I'm going to go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, next week, Peter Sagel from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I, might, I hate to say I really like that show and it's on uh, public radio. Um, and Dr. Phil's going to be on the show. And Julie took the book with her on vacation. So now on to Maxie. Maxie, Maxie, Maxie. Hello, John How are you, buddy? You know, I'm What's doing happening? all right. Well, it's Friday, and it's also yeah. payday, which means it's Fry-yay. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, think about that. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Uh, no, it's uh, the weather has been uh, really uh, uh, wonky Bizarre. the last couple of days. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to this weekend, although I do hear it's going to be a little colder out there. But, uh, no, it should be a nice weekend. I, as far as accounting for my time, yesterday I went to 10th Life Cat Rescue. It was uh, part of my... My volunteer work over there, and wonderful news. There was this new kitten that they got in named Howl. Uh, I talked about Howl on the air because he was such a, a cute little uh, black kitten, and he's actually going home today. He's already been adopted after only being there for about a week and a half, so very uh, pleased and happy that uh, that somebody decided to adopt Howl. Was it you tugging on the heartstrings? Uh, you know, it wasn't me. I, I, uh, I, I thought about fostering him because we haven't fostered in a while and I've been doing volunteer work instead and I was talking to my wife and I was like this cat would be great let's let's bring him home and I actually went in yesterday to do my volunteer shift and I and the one of the directors was there and I said I'm really happy you're here because if he doesn't already have a foster I think we'd like to take Howell home today to foster and she said well thankfully he's being adopted tomorrow so I was like well that's wonderful so, had you brought home Howl, would your wife have killed you? No, I already I already ran it past her. See, we we communicate, and so I was able to say, "What? what? Do you, yeah, I know it's a whole new uh, 
whole new concept in marriage. But no, she was all about it. And uh, so when I was done with my volunteer shift, actually, she texted me and said, are you bringing Howell home? And I said, somebody else is tomorrow. So we don't have to. So as of now, uh, no fostering right now. But if you would like to help 10th Life Cat Rescue, they always need volunteers and uh, fosters and, of course, money. So uh, check them out. They're a great organization. They got, uh, they've got cats available right this very minute. They do, of course. Of course. Is it ever empty? No, there's always a need because people do not uh, take care to spay and neuter their pets, even though Bob Barker told us to do that for about 50 years. And there's always cats being brought in or new litters, and there's just not enough people, not enough households to care for all of them. So... I do agree with uh, Bob Barker. You should help control the pet population, have your pet spayed or neutered, and then we won't have so many animals that desperately need this kind of help. But don't chase your model, Carol Merrill, around backstage. Another takeaway. No, of course not. Not sure that's uh, true, but uh, anyway, we went there. Um, Max has a giveaway, as we mentioned. We'll get to that later. So hopefully that will make up for the fact that we won't have a know the show because that's kind of kind of Julie's baby, and uh, she's not here. So we'll have a schmooze though. It gives Max a chance to play Miley Cyrus. Yeah, I'm Nodium. trying to get that together right now. I don't have it done yet. Also, I have to download. I have to download something on my phone right now, so I'm doing that. So hang on, I'm just kind of okay. multi. I'll just I'll just go on to the show if you want. Yeah, thanks. I, I got a lot on my mind right now. I'll lay some ground fire so you can escape. There we go. Uh, but, but, but before you go, I do want to ask you about this. There was a, I got a press release, and it said that the St. Louis schools today are hosting a two-day career fair that is starting today. And I have not thought about that concept for decades, and I try to look back, and I don't remember – us having a career day. I know what they are from my kids having them and seeing it portrayed on television, but we didn't have one. Which is probably why I have no career. Did you have a career day? Yes, but we went to schools at different times. So Sure. You know, but yes, I did have a, a career day and, and I've, I've spoken at career days as well now that I'm an adult. I've gone to schools and colleges and talked about broadcasting, which is Really interesting and kind of rewarding too. So, and difficult to sell. Um, so, when you went, I don't know if you remember this or not. Was there anything that caught your eye and you went, you know what? Maybe I could go into that. Uh, it was interesting because you had these mentors and these people who would who would come up to you. I, I remember we had a career day in our gym, and so every uh, every booth. Uh, it was almost like going to a comic book convention now where every booth is a different artist or writer or celebrity, but this was different jobs. And you'd go up to like the the police booth and they would say, here's all the great reasons to become a cop in South Florida. And so uh, I, I remember that one uh, specifically because I remember other people in my class telling me you'd make a great cop. And I remember thinking, what? Like, have you have you met me? But uh <laughs> But no, I mean uh, the Air Force was there, and uh, my brother and my and two of my uncles were in the Air Force, so that one was kind of alluring to me for a bit. 
Um, I, I, yeah, I, the, the, the Air Force and the cops were the ones that stuck out. I think there was maybe not, not a librarian, but something to do with teaching that was there as well. And then, of course, all the, all the trades as well. You had like a, a journeyman plumber that was there saying, here's how much money you can make being a plumber, which was kind of cool. So, no, I, I just remember being uh, really overwhelmed by all of it and thinking I never want to grow up. I never want to get a real job. I want to be a kid forever, which is maybe why I talk for a living now. I want to be a real boy. Um, yeah, the trades have kind of gone by the wayside, and I've tried to implant that in my kid's head that, you know, with less and less people going down that road of HVAC work or plumbing, stuff like that, there's less and less people doing it. Fast forward a decade, and there's going to be three plumbers listed on Google, and they can command whatever they want because you got a flood in your house. Just my theory. But your boys have not responded saying, yes, we're going to go become plumbers? No. Well, no. And also being out here in the country, in the Orchard Farm School District, the FFA is very active, and I had no idea what it was until I got out here. And because it is a rural community, a lot of these people are farmers. Their parents are farmers, parents, 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 parents. So it's it's a very active trade. But being a city kid, I was never exposed to any of that. So I imagine that's fairly viable most of the time, again, there's labor involved, though. I'm well, so well, not you know, I, I think if you, want, if you want to attract them to the idea of becoming plumbers, just have them watch the Super Mario Brothers movie. They've done pretty well for themselves. Yeah. Well, I can't even get them to lift the seat. So we have to start there with the plumbing. I don't know. All right. You accounted. Let me uh, do the same. I have to... Tiptoe precariously here of my afternoon when I left the radio station. I stopped into a car wash that I had mentioned to you in the past where there was an incident. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I got a, uh, a appraisal of what it would cost to fix it, an estimate from Johnny Londoff. So yesterday I went back to the not-to-be-named car wash for fear of a lawsuit. There'll be one, but I don't want to start it. Um, and he said, that couldn't have been our fault. We're not going to do anything. And I was stunned. I said, okay, if we have to go the legal route, we will. And he said, I can't talk to you anymore and walked away. So hang on, you went to this unnamed place in person yesterday. I did. Okay. After the show, you went there in person. I'm picturing this in my head because I know where this is. And the person said, that couldn't have been us. We're doing nothing and I'm not talking to you anymore? Well, the I'm not talking to you came after I said, I guess we have to do this legally. Got it. So... I probably shouldn't say much more about this. Maybe we'll slip it into Johnny Law next week. Can you sue a car wash for busting your car and not paying for it? Um, again, I've said too much. Second thing, uh, not so much from yesterday, but today, 
I'm going to try to gather the family and go to a fish fry. We have not hit one Lenten fish fry this season. And they're awesome. I have no reason. So we're going to go tonight, and I'm uh, pretty excited, honestly. Have you done that? Have you done one of those Catholic Church moneymakers? I, I have done them in the past. Yeah, I uh, I dated a Catholic for a while, so I would do what? that. Yeah, I know. But uh, but I am not Catholic and also not a big fan of fish, so not a huge reason for me to ever <laughs> do those anymore. No, no. So not really something that's on my list of things to do, really. Well, number one, Max, you don't have to be Catholic. Um, number two, they branched out because people bring their kids and not everybody likes fish. So they have manicotti. They'll do uh, fettuccine Alfredo. They'll do other not meat things. Well, sure. But you forget I'd have to be in a crowd with other people. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's that. Yeah. I'd much rather uh, just be at my house with my cats. I'm giving up. Right here, live on the air, giving up to Maxie. Julie comes back on uh, Monday, I believe. Yeah, is that right? Uh, yes, Monday with uh, uh, our Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and Dr. Phil. Very exciting. Also on the Michael's Baths text line at 84126, people, people already chatting and chatting. Uh, have we mentioned Bob Heil passing? Uh, we have, and just... I found out about it shortly before showtime, so I managed over the years to save a couple of those chats, and I got some uh, rock and roll stories. Yes, one involving the Grateful Dead, of course, um, with Bob, and we'll play that. He's He's been in, in the station a number of times, uh, and the Spanish station, too. He popped in pretty regularly. So um, we'll have that right on the heels of another man who passed away. So I don't know, Max, where they get that whole Grim Reaper thing. Any ideas? What do you mean the Grim Reaper thing? Calling me the Grim Reaper. Oh, because anytime someone passes away, you play audio of them. And nobody else in St. Louis does that. They might share remembrances, but they they don't play an audio clip of the person. And, and you've talked to so many people that uh, you have them. And so when some, someone dies, like Richard Lewis... Our first thought now, the people that know you and work with you, is does Carney have an interview? It and, is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I get asked every time. It's true. And so it makes me think when you, when it's time for you to shuffle off this mortal coil, Julie and I, because I think we'll still be here, will have to play audio of you. But what do we play? Do we play Stunt Cycle? Do we play uh, Carol Channing? I, I don't know. So if you have any last requests, let me know. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've started a list. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Very encouraging. Right? Very encouraging. I'm just trying to prepare, you know. I have a friend who is gravely ill at the moment. And 20 years ago, we're driving back from the lake. And we started talking about our own mortality. And we agreed that we, we would write each other's eulogy. And then the subject changed again, and we drove on. And about 80 miles later, he turns and looks at me and says, I'd rather read yours. <laughs> <laughs> Support like that. Hard to beat, kids. 
All right, quick break. We'll come back in just a couple. It's the Carney Show. Julie back on Monday, and we'll all be together again as one happy family. And Max, you were talking about the cray cray weather, and I thought, well, I'll just I'll just have a look. And this weekend is not going to be bad at all. Uh, it's going to be nice weather. Finally, lining up with the weekend. Hurrah! Um, let's take the break. We'll come back. In just a minute, Carney Show on KTRS. As a man. Stunt cycle. English muffin. For our friends in foreign lands. The animal talk of St. Louis. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Yes, we are. Hey, um, I hope it went well. I'd love to hear from some people on the Michael's Bath text line who did go down to the Sheldon last night to hear John Hewlett, maybe throw some questions at him. They did that last evening. We had a chance to talk to him yesterday, but curious as to how that went. Such a good guy. You know, I mean, occasionally... I'll meet somebody that seems to be a really good person. And I'm like, no way. This has to be a front. And I'll be looking for flaws and chinks in the armor and stuff like that. And I, I know I can't find it with John. I mean, I just think all in all, he's a great person. You know, in fact, Max, you work for him with him for how long? I mean, I was in the same building as him for almost 15 years. My dad worked with him for two years over at Takeit. So, yeah. Yeah. But, but didn't good. he just never saw him throw a headphone or anything like that? No, I mean the the, uh, the number of headphone throwers that I know in the industry, I could count on one hand. <laughs> thankfully, I mean most everyone's not a head headphone thrower, which is good. But no, he's pretty cool, cool, calm, and and, and collected, and uh, always been really nice guy to me, and uh, and was great to my dad too. I mean, when I told Rock and Ricky Sanborn that I was going to see Yuli, he was like, "Oh, tell him I said I." And so it's just it's there's not a lot of people in. Uh, in in broadcasting, I guess that uh, that are uh, how they've appear to be on the air for better and worse. I mean, there are people yeah. who are just very different, and I don't think he is. I think that the way that you man presents himself on the air, you know, this cool, calm, and collected guy—that's who he is. In an effort to make it about me, do I come through? Which camp am I in? Seems like a really good person, but behind the scenes, intolerable. Well, that's up for the audience to decide. No, 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 no. We'll when start they with you. when they meet you. No, you can't ask me that. I did. Yeah. Well, because uh, I know you have an answer. So what? So what is your what is your question? Are are you easy to work with? Is that what you want me to say? No, 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 no. The the persona, like the on air persona, uh-huh. is that a better person than I am? No, or vice versa. No, because your on air persona is built. So you can barb everyone that you want to barb. So you, so you get to you get to have these Don Rickles esque moments because that's part of your persona. And the real me, I think you have that Don Rickles uh, deal in your real life too. So there's no difference. I wouldn't say that. 
Also, the uh, the text line, April 126, the Michaels Bath text line uh, at 314. Someone says, name the headphone throwers, Max. Well, I off the air, sure. I do know a yeah. couple. Text, and I do too. It makes me very uncomfortable when somebody snaps like that. Um, all right, enough psychology 101. Uh, speaking of level-headed, let's go into politics for a second. Uh, the former chair of the Democratic National Committee, Howard Dean, uh, sadly most famously known for the Yelp around the world that pretty much killed his presidential bid, um, was on TV, was on MSNBC, and was speaking on the presidential race, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And he declared in this talk show that President Biden could beat the daylights out of Donald Trump in a push-up contest, which, of course, is something we've all long wondered. Uh, (laughs) uh, He was on Ari Melber's show. Uh, Dean mocked Trump, saying the 81-year-old could easily win in a physical matchup. Actually, we actually have his words by him. Listen. I bet I'll bet you anything that Joe Biden could beat the daylights out of Trump in a in a push-up contest, for example. And Trump knows it too. Although if it was a cheeseburger eating contest, it might turn out differently. Ouch! A cheeseburger eating contest. I added that last part. It's more. It's it's more and more amazing to me that this political stuff is more and more reminiscent of a fight in the sandbox at recess. And I don't even mean metaphorically. It's the same thing that we did in grade school. All right, enough. Later, I'll have a schmooze. Oh, he'll have a schmooze, won't you? Uh, Yes, I'm putting the finishing touches on it now. It looks like we're going to be talking about Oprah, Kate Middleton, the Fire Festival, which I know you're going to. I loved it. Uh, And something about The Sopranos, something you could buy on eBay now. So that's all coming up in the schmooze later on. Forget about it. So after the schmooze, I bring you the news headlines of the day at no extra charge to you. And sure, they're whimsical. They're real stories. But they usually end up with some smart aleck remark from me that probably is not remotely accurate. So I see a story, I'm thinking, oh, I could use this for the monologue. And I looked at the story, and whoever wrote it at Associated Press stole my gig. The story is about Philly fans and hot dog night, which they've done and done very successfully for a while. But there have been some changes. And I'm reading the story, I'm like, this guy's already put in all the punchlines. <laughs> Follow me. For a quarter century, Phillies fans considered Dollar Hot Dog Night among the best ballpark promotions. But the team has now decided it was the worst. W-U-R-S-T. The Phillies ended the popular promotion on Thursday and replaced the Dollar Dogs on select dates with a two-for-one. Armed with projectile frankfurters, which has got to be a band name. Uh, got to. Oh, okay, sure. 
Thank you. Some unruly Philly fans began chucking their favorite Hatfield meats during a game last year, and the dogs soared like cans of corn through the stands and onto the field. The demand for the discount dogs also led to clogged lanes, if not arteries, on the concourse. Yeah, this guy's going to be working the funny bone. Because it goes on to say, to be frank, the Phillies don't necessarily need to slash prices these days to pack in the crowds. To be frank. The company said ahead of the 22 World Series when they played the Astros, one out of every three fan had a hot dog. 6,900 of them sold at that game. They kept running the dollar dog sold tally on the scoreboard for each game that they were marked down. The unpopular move of cutting it failed to cut the mustard. I didn't write any of that. Wow. So the guy at AP's got his own act going. <laughs> didn't we have one of those where somebody's eye got dis got uh you know, popped out of their head because they were hit with a hot dog gun. I, I, your memory on that would be more trustworthy than mine. Yeah. Well, I'm not exactly certain, but it was something like that, that the hot dog cannon knocked somebody's eye out. And it was it was the end of that. Everybody out of the pool. If you listen much or at all, more Julie and I, instead of Max, dive into these docu-series on TV, and Netflix has one they've just dropped called The Octopus Conspiracy. And it's a pretty crazy story. Uh, a photojournalist and researcher was looking into the death of a, feather, uh, a fellow journalist a few years before who was working on something that involved the FBI and secrets and the CIA and stuff like that. And the man had come down with a case of death and other people that were tied to him in the course of the investigation, six to be exact, also came down with a case of death. So Christian Hansen tracks it all down. It is a fascinating story and it's streaming on Netflix. It dropped this week. Thought you might want to see it. We'll talk to the photojournalist who brought it to life. Uh, that's coming up after a quick timeout. It is coming to Netflix. It's a docu-series you're going to want to see. It's called American Conspiracy, the Octopus Murders. And, of course, immediately your mind goes to Jacques Cousteau and Underwater Adventures, and no. Christian Hansen, who's a photojournalist and a researcher, has put this one together, and it is captivating. Welcome to the program, Christian. Thanks so much, John. Um, yeah, to, to people that I, to new people that haven't seen the show and don't know me and don't know about this project, I describe it as a murder mystery spy thriller documentary taking those three genres and combining them all. It, you know, and it, you'll find when you watch it, it really is all those things. It's a story about a journalist who dies under mysterious circumstances in 1991 while investigating all sorts of obscure international espionage projects and um, 
and we we uh, I think did a really good job in a, telling his story in a in an exciting way. Um, Have you dove and, into this type of storytelling before? Well, I I I, I researched this particular story for 10 years. So um, I was only, you know, I'm 38 now. I was actually only, I said 10 years, I I keep saying. At this point, more like 12 years. I was 26. So I was more of just a photojournalist before. This was my first time really going deep into into this kind of world. So, all right, so 10 years ago, you start working on this story. 10 years ago, the landscape for TV viewing and streaming was a lot different than it is now. And a documentary was really kind of a niche program with people that donate to PBS. Yeah, I was, and I was, um, I started out the first, uh, until about 2017, um, when at, at that point, one of the main characters was released from prison. And my best friend, Zach, who's a film director, put, um, it, the, a trip on his credit card to rent cameras and to pick up this guy from prison. But up until that point, I was writing a book. So yeah, it's a good question. It was a different landscape. And, you know, I was I thought I would, you know, write a book. So, I, But I took the research, and, and with the help of my friend Zach, we made a documentary series, a four-part. The story starts with a gentleman in your industry, a journalist by the name of Danny Casolaro, and Casolaro. Casolaro, he's found dead in a hotel bathtub, and it's ruled a suicide. That should have been the end of it, but after people starting and investigating, and you in depth in particular, not the story. Bad people involved. Aren't you kind of scared for yourself? It's a tough question. I mean, I, I believe that it's an important story to tell. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, it is scary, but um, it also happened a long time ago, and I'm, I'm, I take precaution. Um, so I don't know. And I have a team. Like, Danny was, was on his own. Um, he didn't have um, – he was kind of funding it himself, and he didn't have a team, and – you know, I've got, uh, I don't know, it's, it's worth it, right? Sometimes the risky things are worth it. People go skydiving or whatever. Um, people sign up to be in the military. It, they feel it's important despite the risk. Um, I don't think that this is nearly as dangerous as being in the military. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It was worth it for me. So Danny decides to investigate this. He ends up dead. Several other people related to the story he was working on ended up dead. So what exactly is going on and where's the octopus come in? Um, the octopus is uh, his way of describing a um, sort of organic network of, of freelance um, criminals and spies um, who were active in the 1980s adjacent to the secret um, arming of Nicaragua and Costa Rica and El Salvador that in the in the 1980s, you know the the proxy wars, the um, unsanctioned proxy wars that that Reagan um, wanted to fight around the world during his administration, um, because Congress wasn't paying for it. He came up with independent ways of funding these 
operations um, and came up with freelance kind of people, um, wackos to do the to do the work, and they were opportunists in many cases, and uh, they had little internal fights, and people got whacked. Nobody got caught. Any of these people, and as you mentioned, this is a while back in history during the 80s and the Iran-Contra time and all that. Are any of these people, assuming you've identified them, still around? Well, most of them have passed away. As you'll see in the documentary, some of them are uh, alive. One character that's really interesting that emerges in in episode three, a guy named Robert Boothnickels, um, a lot of people, including... uh, People in the FBI that we talked to believe that he faked his death in Switzerland in 2009, I believe. So, um, and, you know, who knows? He, Robert Boothnickels may be alive, he may be dead. I, I, I do not know. His, his death was certainly mysterious, too. I just finished the um, podcast on Gary DeVore, who was oh, wow. a screenwriter in L.A., and the parallels between this story and his and the government and secret entities are are kind of chilling. Do you remember the character in that um, Chase Brandon who was the yeah, yeah. CIA liaison to Hollywood? Right. I was making this like spicy uh, CIA spy scandal story for Hollywood, you know, for Netflix. You know, uh, me and my friends that are ed- the editors and producers, we all listen to that podcast as well and make the occasional Chase Brandon joke. Um, but no, I mean, we were, we had pretty much, we had total editorial control. We didn't have any um, problems with uh, any, uh, Chase Brandon trying to tell us how to tell the story. Thank God. Did you find that you were able to connect dots that authorities weren't? give too much away but yeah we uh, we have never before heard um, audio recordings uh, in the main players own voices and we're able to solve like a few mur- a few of those unsolved murders that you mentioned it's dropping on Netflix don't lose the remote you're gonna want to watch this one Christian Hansen joining us a photojournalist and researcher and American conspiracy the six-part documentary again on Netflix the Octopus Murders, another great story uh, as told by a photojournalist in detail. Again, six parts. Very cool. I watched the trailer. I cannot wait, Christian. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, John. I can't wait for you to watch. All right. Be well. Bye-bye. Carney Show, welcome back. It is a Friday. Make no mistake about it. 12.53. Uh, Julie out today. She'll come back on Monday. And uh, we'll be one big happy family once again. And we're just a smaller family right now. Maxie and I against the world. But uh, people are going to help us along the way. Tom O'Keefe's going to pop in. Real spoilers. Uh, and Paul Kopsky coming up on the two with uh, the latest in traffic and, of course, other things to talk about. But pretty tragic uh, traffic morning with uh, a fatal accident really close to the station at 270 at Dorset Road this morning. 
So we'll find out about that and other things that were happening on the roadways. And we got other stuff to hit them with. I just don't know yet. <laughs> I got to look at him and say, I think this is the day to ask him about whatever. Um, our staff is fantastic. I don't know how much you listen to our weekend programming. It's amazing. A little something from everybody. Um, you've got Aaron Lapidus, Straight Talk on Retirement. And incredible information they throw at you. In fact, so much so, listeners were calling management and saying, we can't get through. I really want to ask him a question about my Roth, and I can't get through to ask him. Well, they've extended the program to two hours just for you. For example, that's just one of the shows. Max on Movies, another example. And do you know what's going on? On the show tomorrow? I do. Usually I, you don't rush those things. I've got uh, actor, director, writer, producer Tim Blake Nelson on the show. He's a collaborator with the Coen Brothers, and he's in the Marvel Universe as well. So Tim Blake Nelson joins the show. And I'll have reviews of One Love, Anyone But You, and Drive Away Dolls, which is the latest from a singular Coen Brothers. So that's all on the movie show this weekend. Wow, they're breaking up the band. Have they ever worked on their own? Yeah, so their last movie they did together was The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which had Tim Blake Nelson in it. That was in 2018. They have not worked together since 2018. Uh, Joel Cohen did a very serious film, uh, an adaptation of Shakespeare, uh, and uh, his brother uh, Ethan has done a, a more of a Raising Arizona-type comedy movie. So it's interesting that one did a variation on Shakespeare and one kind of did a Russ Meyer. Yeah. There you go. David Sherwood from Sherwood's Forest also brings you some great radio with the Inside Out show. And he, of course, has a nursery, Sherwood's Forest, hence the Sherwood. And I sent him a note this morning because there was a story I couldn't understand out of Hendersonville, Nevada, that authorities are reporting that an unusual series of thefts have hit Vegas. And I know you're saying, John, crime in Vegas goes back to Bugsy Siegel. But thieves are digging up cactuses in a particular neighborhood and stealing them. Why? 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 Somebody asked me why I keep doing that. It's Nancy Kerrigan, by the way. Um, they say about 100 of the plants have been stolen, totaling money-wise up to $10,000. They're cactuses. So I'd, I couldn't put that one together in my head in any way. Like, is it for mezcal to make uh, tequila or what? So I called David Sherwood. And he told me that there are some types that are incredibly low maintenance and very popular and they flower and they're beautiful and they're expensive. So I got my answer. It's nice to have an underpaid research department at your fingertips. So thank you for that information, David. I do appreciate it incredibly. Uh, yesterday on the show, we told you about a bunch of giveaways that were tied to Leap Day, which was yesterday. Um, 
And there is a giveaway today. It's got nothing to do with Leap Day. Today is National Kalachi Day. Do you know what that is, Max? We had one? Uh, yes to both of those, John Carney. And do you love them or not so much? Well, it would probably be uh, inappropriate if you're going to promote them to say that I find them extremely distasteful. So I will refrain, no, that's from, okay. I will refrain from saying that. <laughs> I'm not going after them. Um, now, the car wash, not, anyway, uh, Kalachi Factory in Brentwood is giving away a free Kalachi at their place. And apparently, all you have to do is stop by. Open and close, which is 6 a.m. for about another hour, unless they're already out. But, uh, yeah, no catches, giving them away. And Max, yet it's just one other place where we don't see eye to eye. <laughs> I think they're fantastic. Uh, some recalls to get to. I'll bring you up to speed on those. Uh, some sports stuff. And, of course, Captain Paul, Tom O'Keefe. And a giveaway from Maximilian. So, you know, you can walk outside for a minute, but come back in or take the radio with you. We'll return. This is KTRS St. Louis. Tony Show, welcome back to The Mix. Really glad to have you here. In fact, so happy. I'll make this a Friday for you. Okay, no need to thank me, but it's a Friday for all of you. Now, if you got to work this weekend, you might want to get a refund at the box office. But there's only so much I can do, right? Maximilian Foisy here. Also, Julie is out everyone. today. She'll be here Monday. Monday. Are you going to pull a disappearing act at all any time in the near future? No, sir. Not at all. Hardest working man in the biz. Yeah. Right there. I'm slipping out one day next week. I think I forgot to tell you. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, we've got Kingside Diner in for a restaurant Tuesday. So you're going to miss all the chess goodness. Yeah. I got three uh, ultrasounds and a CT. Don't be too too jealous. Um, I want to pass this along because it might just affect yes. We talked recently about the recall at Schnooks. In the metro area, the one in uh, Brentwood in particular, the ground beef might contain metal pieces, which I guess can like shave off the machines when they grind it up or whatever. But uh, so they mentioned that, but they have added some others. So now they say about nine bi-state locations might be affected. So I would guess... And if you go to Channel 4's website, they have a full list of all of the schnooks that they think might have the metal in the ground beef. But I would say, and it's the beef that was purchased February 25th, so it's still good and would still be in your fridge. But I wouldn't take the chance. It's like, well, they didn't mention my schnooks, but I don't know. I don't want to panic yet, but uh, I want to keep you safe, and I'll do whatever it takes. And hats off to Schnooks for getting that info out as fast as possible. I figured the least that we could do was follow suit. A giveaway coming up in just a bit. By gum, he's done it again. 
managed to grab stuff from Hollywood and share it with you. But if you're not listening, we're not going to like randomly call you and say, hey, you won something. Nope. Be listening. Be listening. We are all set for Alex Stone today, John Carney. The Alex Stone? That's right. At 2.50, the very last guest we'll have on today is ABC News' own Alex Stone. Are you telling me we're having another stone on the phone? We are, and I have not gotten to the, my AI together to put together a uh, an opening yet, but I will. And today, Alex Stone is talking about 144 inches of snow being possible in the Sierra Nevada today. What? I can't even wrap my head around that. In one day. But, I mean, it's ski country, so good for some people, but it's also, I would think, uh, more prone to avalanches, which I think are not something skiers like. Just saying. I don't ski. Have you ever strapped on a pair and gone down a hill at a high rate of speed? Yes, sir, I have, although I I couldn't get uh, Sonny Bono out of my head the whole time. (laughs) Or one of the Kennedys playing football going down the hill. Taking them out one at a time. So you're a Florida kid. Yep. And you lived here in St. Louis. Both places, not really snow grounds. So where'd you go? Uh, I believe it was Virginia. It was with my one of my sisters, my sister Noelle. And we, we went uh, on a bunny slope. And uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. And this is because I find snow quite distasteful, much to the chagrin of my almost 13-year-old son who... Loves the snow, and of course, he grew up here with the snow and the seasons and all of that. I find it uh, wholly unnecessary. <laughs> that does not surprise me in any way. Yeah, didn't hurt yourself though. No, no. Again, it was a bunny slope, so those are like the you know there was no Gwyneth Paltrow around, so it was fine. Yeah, that that's good. Um, and I remember only being subjected to it once, and also an unpleasant experience. But my father got me elf shoes, pretty much. These things were like 18 inches long, and they were bright red and curled up around the end like elf shoes. And they might even have had bells on them. And, uh, yeah, I was scarred. So no thanks to those that do. More power to you. Okay? I'll get to have our hobbies. I'll stay somewhere. We're slipping isn't the point. <laughs> yeah. Because you think about it, I want to go faster. I want to be in less control. Oh, wait, I have these sticks. That will, I don't know, be something else I can impale myself with. You know, the other thing I thought about when I was going down this bunny slope, besides being petrified, was uh, thinking of the James Bond movie with Roger Moore, where it's the opening on the ski slopes and everyone's trying to shoot him with machine guns and he's like uh, dipping around and people are smacking trees. I'm trying to think of which James Bond film that was. Was it the opening of Moonraker? I don't know, but I recall that scene because there was a guy with a submachine gun in each hand and went off a jump and went over picnic tables spinning and shooting at the same time. Right, yeah, I uh, eight four one two six on the Michael's Best text line. I would love to know which James Bond movie that w- that was. I know that's Roger Moore. I want to say that's the opening of Moonraker because it's so different because they go into space later on. But let me know. Uh, and also, the text line from the six one eight says, "When it snows, 
Uh, Max hands the shovel to his son and says, have fun. Actually, I hand it to my wife, Katie. Uh, and I say, uh, go ahead. Have, have fun shoveling. <laughs> and is Oscar jealous? Uh, of, of, of Of what? Of mom doing the shoveling. No, he wants to plan the snow. He doesn't want to shovel it. There you go. Yeah, I just buy stuff at the store that I'm sure is uh, creating a, a hole in the earth's crust, but I don't want to slip. So I just spread that around as much as possible and hope for the best. I don't do salt because I know that's cats and dog paws and things and they get hurt and yeah. I try to avoid that. I sent you a note this morning, Maxie, about a guy named Chris Colmer mm-hmm. who has a blog locally called All Around St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And this guy just decided he would keep better track of places he goes, things that he eats, other attractions, and makes like a physical list and post post them online, like some of the best uh, Italian restaurants or some of the best family day trips. And there was a story today out about one of his uh, listings, and it's of uh, the best sandwiches in the St. Louis area. And I don't want to call him out because the guy went to the trouble to do this. And he got very scientific. So, like, let me tell you how he based this. Price, overall sandwich weight, the meat weight, the length of the sandwich, um, the time to sandwich from the time you get in line to the time you're eating it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he really did He's pretty anal, honestly. Um, so gets a baseline, gets it set up, and uh, it's a 1 to 10. Score in the 5.0 to 7 is better than Subway. 7.1 to 7.9, good local deli, but not worth the drive. Uh, if you're not crazy for driving, 15 minutes, 8.0, score of less than 5 means something has gone horribly wrong. Um Number one, he lists the Italian beef at Blue City Deli. The sandwich rating gets a nine seven. The price is ten fifty. Uh, it's been a long time, and I remember those them having good sandwiches, but not the first one that pops into my mind. What's the first one that pops into your mind? Um, as far as best sandwiches, probably Mom's Deli. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was going to mention. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mom's Deli. Mom showed up at number 10. Oh, wow. No, I'd, I'd put them at, at number one for sure. And number 11 was Adriana's on the Hill. Oh, that's I'd put higher that as, well. as Yeah. I'd put that as number one. Yeah, I'd probably put them at two or three. I mean, absolutely. They've been a restaurant Tuesday uh, here before. They're great. I don't ever think we've had Mom's Deli. And now that I'm thinking about it, I should reach out to them. Yeah, let's do it. And let's get Chris uh, on the air and beat him about the face and neck. (laughs) So his list goes as follows. Blue City Deli and then Carl's Deli. And I'm a big fan of their pastrami. And it's a couple of CBC boys that used to walk there and uh, 
helped bust tables and things. Then they turned around and bought it from Carl. I mean, it's a great story behind the sandwich. Uh, Union loafers have not been, but their special is 15 bucks. Maybe it's why I haven't been there. The grand marketing. Wait, but do you think $15 is a lot for a sandwich these days? Kind of. I think that's pretty. I mean, you go to Jovic Brothers, that's what you're going to pay. The 15 bucks uh, from Union Loafers is the most expensive one on the top 10. Just pointing that out. LeGrand's Market and Catering, their special, Parker's Table, Nomad St. Louis, have not been there. Uh, Vivois, Vivola Express, Joyous Deli's number eight. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you, they went up in my heart when the Cardinals wanted them. And after some negotiation, they didn't feel the Cardinals could maintain, or whoever does the catering down there, food service or whatever, they didn't feel that they could maintain the quality of the sandwich. So they said, thank you, but no thank you. That's a lot of money they pushed away. Money! (laughs) True. Trying not to do it, but had to do it today because there's no jewelry. Ivaldi's Deli, got to tell you, I have not heard. I'm embarrassed. Someone on the text line, it is sacrilege to discuss Italian beef in this town. Wow. I'm sorry, it's the only town we're in. Also, uh, they're saying that uh, that James Bond opening was the opening to The Spy Who Loved Me. Thank you, Texter. Aren't they great? Yeah, they're the best. I don't have to remember anything. Hey, Texters, where are my keys? Did you check behind the couch? <laughs> there they are. Wow. Mom's Deli, number 10. Adriana's number 11. The gramophone. Yeah. I was going to ask special. about Haven't been. I was going to ask about gramophone because if I had to do a top five, it would probably be Mom's Deli at number one. Uh, Adriana's at number two. Maybe gramophone at number three. I think that's my top three. Wow. Yeah. Snarfs is on there, too. I don't think Snarfs should be even in the conversation. Let's let's kick Snarfs to the curb. I've never been. Isn't that a chain? Yeah. I mean, not that... I, I, I don't think chains should be in this. I know, it's a separate list. But anyway, we're going to reach out to Chris Colmer, and if you Google all around St. Louis... You can find his blog. There's other interesting stuff there as well. So a lot of interest in the sandwiches, Adriana's. No surprise, killing it up and down the uh, text line. And it's not to me, it's not. I mean, they're saying it's her uh, Italian beef, but I I love every. They do a gorgonzola dip, which is... Roast beef and gorgonzola cheese with some au jus on a hoagie. And if my wife's not with me or she's not standing right next to me when I order, I get that. But I have them splay an Italian sausage and put it on there as well. That's how I keep my peak physical condition. Yeah, uh, yeah. it makes sense now. <laughs> and uh, Joe Fossi's, come on now. Joe Fossey Sausage Factory, the only place I know that makes uh, 
great Luganaga sausage, and uh, uh, that's the one with the garlic in it. And the uh, there's another one around the Christmas holidays that's got wine in it. I can't remember, but they they sell links and pounds of sausage, and they make amazing sandwiches. And I don't have a dog in the fight, but I do. The John Carney special's pretty good. It's pretty good sandwich. McGraw's not the only one with his name on plates of food around town. So try that out. Let us know. And uh, Nomad St. Louis, best pastrami. Pratzels in Clayton, I have also not mentioned. Their corned beef and pastrami, old, old family recipe. And the Pratzels have uh, kept it going. And third generation there. And they have a John Carney sandwich that I created. You know, if I'm going to be immortalized, I want it to be with food. It makes the most sense. Twice I've gone lately and they were out. You know how that feels? Can I get the uh, John Carney sandwich? No, sorry. We're out of you. Well, it must feel great because that means you are popular and in demand. But I wanted one. You have yourself all the time. I really want. I'm not as delicious without uh, munchy cheese and uh, orange flavored mustard and pastrami and corned beef and coleslaw. Oh, now I got to have one. Got to have one. Uh, it's 123. I'm babbling. Stop letting me do that. Um, Stuart, 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 Stuart. I think I sent this story to him this morning. I'm not sure. I was a little busy. And it's not great news, kids, but I will throw a uh, a lifeline in here at the end. More than half of aspiring homeowners say living costs are too high or their incomes are too low to squeeze a down payment and a closing cost into their budget. That's a drag. 51% of would-be homeowners say the cost of living possesses an obstacle in their plan to buy a home. It doesn't have to be that way. Stuart has come up with program after program that will save you money, that will alleviate closing costs for you. Um, A bunch of different programs he can do that will help you get into the house, regardless of what some of these people are saying. So before you throw in the towel and just resign yourself to living in the basement, call him. See what he can get done for you. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. The website, stewardsamc.com, or you can ring him anytime, 314-324-4440. That's Stewart's American Mortgage Corp. Okay, today on the schmooze, talk about the Sopranos, the Fire Festival, Kate Middleton, and we kick it off with Oprah Winfrey. I figured Julie would have done this story if she was here, so I'm filling in. I'm wearing her high heels right now and her tiara as well. Weird. Uh, Oprah Winfrey is leaving the Weight Watchers Board of Directors after being a member since 2015. It's really no coincidence because she announced a few months ago that she's been using a weight loss drug. She hasn't said which one, but uh, the most popular ones, of course, are WeGovy and Ozempic. 
Uh, a Weight Watchers executive says Oprah will donate all of her stock to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. So that's pretty fantastic. It is a nice touch. But uh, she, like, had a lot of money invested in that place. Money. Oh, you, money. Got me, you got me doing it again, and I quit for, like, a month. I guess I relapsed on the money situation. Uh, it feels so good. Kate Middleton. I'm obsessed with this story. Kate Middleton has not been seen since undergoing surgery more than a month ago. Uh, and earlier this week, Prince William skipped a memorial service for his godfather. Uh, both of these things together have Brits thinking the worst and Americans going down a rabbit hole of conspiracy. But Kate's reps issued a statement yesterday saying that she will not die. Now, of course, those weren't their exact words. They said she's, quote, doing well. However, we still haven't seen her. So, John Carney, what's going on with Kate Middleton? Boy, I wish I know. I mean, they, maybe they're putting a new uh, housewives together, like the real housewives of Buckingham Palace. Do you remember the fire festival? The festival so fraught with disaster that two documentaries were made about it. I watched them both yeah, with much too. amusement. I did, too. They were both really good. Well, uh, Billy McFarland, who is the guy behind the fire festival, he announced a sequel and he has put these uh, the sequel tickets uh, available for pre-sale right now. You can buy them. The tickets start at $2,500 a piece for a single ticket, John Carney. And you would think, well, nobody's going to get suckered into this again. The he high, went to jail. The highest access level ticket for one ticket is $1 million. He says he's already made $110 million in pre-sales. So he bought the one VIP sale. <laughs> The festival will supposedly go down this December in the Caribbean. If it doesn't, I'm sure he'll just go back to jail. The ending of The Sopranos was pretty polarizing, but if you're into it, you can now own the actual restaurant booth Tony and his family members were all sitting in when the camera cuts to black. Spoiler, that's how the whole show ended. Uh, it's from a real restaurant called uh, Holston's in Bloomfield, New Jersey. They're renovating, so both booths have to go. The auction ends on Monday. There's about 175 people right now bidding on it. How much do you think the auction is up to, John Carney? I would say 80000 Well, it's it's not even that high yet. It's $63,000 as of right now. So if you'd like to bid, go right ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm saving my money for the Firefest. Uh, back, uh, back in the day, on March 1st, 152 years ago, America's first national park was designated... What is that park, John Carney? Uh, Yellowstone? Yes, Yellowstone uh, in 1872 became America's first national park. Also on today's date uh, in 1988, I can't believe it was just 36 years ago, Joe Besser died at age 80. Uh, oh. your, your favorite stooge, of course. Well, it wasn't Shemp, that's for sure. In the Stooges, Joe replaced Shemp, who had replaced his brother Curly, who had replaced his brother Shemp. Uh, but yeah, Joe Besser, I think, now was that the, that wasn't Curly Joe, that wasn't the not so hard. No. Okay, that was Curly Joe. Uh, birthdays on March 1st, Justin Bieber has a birthday today. How old is Justin Bieber? Justin Bieber's 36. He's 30. Kesha is 37. Do you know who Mark Paul Gossler is? 
Not a clue. He was on Saved by the Bell. He's 50 today. That should make everybody feel very old. Ron Howard is 70. The original heard da- him. The original Daisy Duke, Catherine Bach, is 70. And Roger Daltrey of The Who is 80 today. Can 80 we go back? Yeah. Can we go back to the Fire Fest for a minute? Yeah, sure. Million dollar ticket and all that. Have they announced any of the artists? They have not. They haven't announced an exact location. They just say the Caribbean, and they haven't announced an exact date. They say December. And uh, this was, of course, a, a debacle the first time, and the same person is putting it on, and he's charging $2,500 a ticket. He, I guess he's a genius because he's just making money from nothing. You know, my takeaway, and I watched both the documentaries, my takeaway on both of them was, wow, I don't feel sorry for any of these people. True. It's very true. I, I do feel the only person I felt bad about were some of the artists who who either dropped out or they weren't paid. And, they, you know, they, they kind of got roped into that, too. But, no, uh, everyone else, I feel like, you know, I, there was very little sympathy. TV this wiki, uh, weekend, before we wrap it wiki. up. This Wiki Wiki Scratch, Saturday at 11.30 p.m. on NBC, Sydney Sweeney hosts Saturday Night Live. She's having kind of a career moment right now. And Casey Musgraves is the musical guest. If you've never heard Tracy Musgraves, well, this is what she sounds like. I came in like a wrecking ball. She plays cover tunes. And that's the Hollywood Schmooze. Now we have... What Julie likes to call the homemade jokes, but well, I will respect this by saying, here's news ripped straight from the headlines. Thank you. Thank you very much, Max. It's nice to be appreciated. Congress passing another short-term spending measure that would keep one set of federal agencies operating anyway through March 8th and another set through March 22nd. The extension averts a shutdown for parts of the federal government. That bill... Now it goes to President Jim Biden, Biden to be signed into law. So that should be enough money to keep Mitch McConnell in rice pudding until the end of his term. Rice pudding is rice a pudding. favorite of seniors. I see. <clears throat> a transcript from the closed door deposition of Hunter Biden has been released to the public. Hunter Biden appearing Wednesday on Capitol Hill marking a critical phase for the Republicans in their impeachment inquiry into his father. Hunter Biden took questions from members of three different House committees as part of the ongoing impeachment inquiry. Several who have seen the transcript liken it to fear and loathing by the other Hunter. Uh, yeah. It was kind of a double shot. There. Good book. Brazilian police, which is a lot, really are investigating former President Jair Bolsonaro. Joe Biden. (laughs) Bolsonaro. (laughs) Over allegations he harassed a humpback whale. Bolsonaro said Wednesday he admitted to federal police that he had approached a whale while riding a watercraft off the north coast of Sao Paulo last June. This is kind of like when President Trump laid into Rosie O'Donnell. Hello? Jerry Jones required to take a paternity test. Wow. After a judge upheld a decision in his legal dispute with 27-year-old Alexandra Davis, 
who alleges the Cowboys owner is her father. The judge upheld the court decision after Jones appealed. Davis claims Jones was her father in a 2022 lawsuit that alleges that Alexandra was conceived during the mid-90s during a relationship between Jones and her mother, Cynthia Davis. Jones has agreed to fully support them financially as long as he wasn't identified as Alexandra's great-great-great-grandfather. That makes sense. Finally, this. An Indiana pancake house waitress sprung into action Monday of this week to save a young boy from choking, marking the second time she saved a customer's life. Beth Tibbles serving another table South Bend when she heard a boy struggling and rushed over to his aid. Others in the restaurant appeared to be in shock, but Tibble was performing the Heimlich maneuver before anyone else fully realized what was happening. After saving the boy, Tibbles nonchalantly picked up her coffee pot and continued to serve her customers, according to bystanders. Apparently the boy had the Rudy Tootie fresh and choky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cut my losses right oh, now. That was great. So long, everybody. Rudy Tootie fresh and choky. Yep. You want to give stuff away or you want to yeah. jump into Tom O'Keefe? No, let's go ahead words. and uh, let's, let's give stuff away here and then we'll take a break and come back with Tom O'Keefe. Do uh, tell. What, what are you doing? Well, uh, thanks to my pals over at Republic Pictures, they've given me some copies of Air Force One Down. This one stars Catherine McNamara. It is rated R. It's a new thriller, and you can get a digital copy of it on Voodoo now. Here's the synopsis. On her first assignment aboard Air Force One, a rookie Secret Service agent, played by Catherine McNamara, faces the ultimate test when terrorists hijack the plane and target the president, leading her into a relentless battle that could change the course of history. Air Force One Down is the latest heart-pounding action thriller to buy on Voodoo Now. Rated R from Republic Pictures. All you have to do for your chance to win a free digital copy of this new thriller called Air Force One Down is text in your email address to 84126, and I will randomly select 10 of you to get a copy of this movie. 84126, text in your email address now. So if you had to guess how many films take place on Air Force One. Uh, I mean, the only ones that come to mind, there was a movie called Executive Decision with Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal. And there was also, of course, Air Force One with uh, Gary Oldman and uh, Harrison Ford. Those are the only two that really pop into mind right now. Because I think that would be a really popular setting for a suspenseful drama kind of thing. But I'm not a movie maker. You probably... Already surmised that. I have. I do know my barbecue, though, and I love it. And Sugar Father, by the way, not on the list either. Apparently, this guy who did the top 10 in St. Louis missed every single Sugar Fire in town. I mean, like I said, I really appreciate your efforts in putting stuff forward. But, you know, let's hit some of these that we all know already. I mean, how could you walk by... The brisket sandwich. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yes, it is. And the Big Muddy they've had since day one. And even though you'll find different specials at different locations, you'll find the Big Muddy everywhere. It's kind of their uh, bread and butter 
and meat, if you will. Oh, they're so good. You should try one. Any sugar fire has one. And if you don't know what that is, it's brisket sandwich. That's just the beginning. Smoked sausage. It's got a little jalapeno in it. Horseradish sauce. Barbecue sauce. Lettuce and pickles. It's the only sandwich I know of that you can eat and then have to go outside and use their hose to clean yourself off. But man, it is that good. Find a sugar fire near you and enjoy today. It is the best barbecue you'll ever spill on your shirt. Talk to him, shall we? Should be fun. Tom O'Keefe from Real Spoilers, from the Family Arena, and our very own movie man. Hi, Tommy. Hello. How's it going? It is going. What you doing? Well, right now I am in Catalina, waiting on a ferry. Too many jokes. I'll just keep going. <laughs> Too many jokes. You're going what to a t- wine mixer, right? Exactly. Prestige Worldwide. Yeah. Okay, now explain that to me. Oh, that's a stepbrother's joke. Uh, Julie Step just brother. made the uh, the boats joke yesterday, John. Okay. I should listen more, but I don't. Um, so did you have a chance to get a, a movie in between your worldly travels? I did. I saw Dune 2. On purpose? Yeah. I mean, this, this is, these are the things I do for you. I was just thinking, oh, he's going to sure. hate it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm not sure if Dune 2 has a subtitle is what I was thinking. And then I was like, oh, I that's right. I don't care. Ah, oh, this is beautiful. Tape this at home, folks. <laughs> so this is a these are hard movies. Like this are hard to re- review because, look, here's the thing. Uh, the director of this movie is the same one who did the last one. He also directed Blade or Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and like and like this is a visually stunning movie, as was the last one. But uh, it takes place on a planet made of sand because that's how dry the story is. And, <laughs> and, like the and the Thursday night previews doubled what the last one did. So like, look, man, there are people out there that are digging. The first one, and I will tell you this, if you liked the first one, you were in for a treat because this, best I can tell, seems to be right on par with the first one. Now, I didn't like the first one either, but I also didn't like these books. Like, I tried to read Dune because I was I was a nerd, and I like this kind of stuff, and, like, that book was a slog, and I, I never understood the appeal. But, look, if you like pretentious sci-fi <laughs> – you're going to get it in spades, and it's going to look great. I mean, it's a great-looking movie. There's no taking that away from it, but I just can't get invested in the story. Okay, a lot to unpack here. I remember the book was larger than the Koran, for starters. And there's like 15 of them. Yeah, there's, there, there, there were six of them published when Frank Herbert was alive, and I think there's been at least three more since he passed away because his son kept writing them. But this was published in 1965, and it was a gigantic hit. But by the time his third book came out, it was like number two on the bestseller list. So this has been a popular uh, book for a very long time. Uh, there are people who love these books, love these movies, 
So my question to you, Tom O'Keefe, is why? Why do they love the sandworms? <laughs> why? why? I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where it, it takes you to this world that you've never seen before, and it's got all these political machinations. It's kind of like Game like of Thrones. my first wedding regard. video. Exactly. And when to get in when. When, uh, you know, and there wasn't a lot of this kind of content out there in the mainstream when this book came out in 1965, right? Now, it, I mean, it kind of spawned a whole uh, industry of books that do this sort of thing. And I'm sure that they were there before, but they were very niche. This, this was the first one to really break out and become like a real honest-to-goodness hit, not just a pulp novel. And so, like, I, I get in the abstract from a theoretical standpoint what people like about these movies but it just it just does not work for me so but i have to acknowledge that like this is a well-made movie it looks great and i remember the director in an interview recently talked about how he doesn't like dialogue in movies he's like dialogue is for tv movie is movies are for visuals and i'm like boy he ain't lying like he's putting his money where his mouth is because this movie is all about looking at it. It ain't about listening to it. That's for sure. <laughs> and it's based on a true story. I believe so. And what is the story exactly? Space people, moon people. Oh man, how, how would you even uh, so whittle this down they, to the to the attention span of John Carney? There's this thing called spice that they they mine on this planet, and it's like some. It's basically like heroin, but people love it and i guess people love heroin but people are allowed to love it and uh and so that's basically it's supposed to be kind of like oil in the middle east right and then everybody's fighting over this planet and then it but there's also kind of royalty and then there's all that stuff going on so it's kind of like if you took uh knights and kings and queens and then also said but what if they were in the middle east fighting over oil but we called it space stuff just so does this okay, Max? <laughs> yeah, I was so does it pick up where the first one left off, or is it a remake? Is it wide open to another boring sequel? Um, so it's funny. The Onion had a headline that said Dune Two picks up right where you fell asleep in Dune One, <laughs> um, and no, it picks up right where the last one left off. And like, if you have seen the last one, and it's, or if it's been a bit since you've seen the last one, you might want to freshen up on your like reading the Wikipedia plot synopsis just to get yourself up to speed if you can stay awake through it. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, it, it immediately picks up. There is no time wasted, and it absolutely sets the stage for a third one. And I believe the director has said that he would very yeah. much like to take a third one. How many uh, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicellos would you give this one? <laughs> so for me personally, I would give it a two. But I have to say in fairness, if you liked the first Dune, then you're probably going to give this, I think, a three or a four. Like, if you enjoyed the first Dune, this is like the, like the first one, but more so, I think you will dig it. So this is a blind spot for me, I feel like, culturally. But if this is your jam, you're in for a treat. You know, and, and I, I love this guy's movies. Uh, Denis Veneuve is the director. He's a French director. And his movies like Prisoners and... In Prisoners is great. Yeah, Prisoners, Enemy, Blade Runner 2049, Arrival. I think he's done some incredible science fiction and, uh, and regular thrillers. And I can't wait for him to be done with Dune so he can go back to making movies that I care about. 
Agreed. I, yeah, and I think Prisoners is such an underrated movie. Like, if you haven't seen it, don't let this conversation detour you if you're not a sci-fi guy. It is not sci-fi in any way, shape, or form. It is just a thriller and a good one. And But, um, but yeah, I agree. But he loves making these, and you know what? There are people who love them, and so I'm, I am glad, even if I don't like it, I am glad that there is highbrow, well-crafted sci-fi in the world. So I assume you'll be tackling this on Real Spoilers? Sadly, we will. <laughs> How about next time? Might we get two lousy films in a row from you? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I don't know what next week is, but I'm sure there will be something. Uh, next be- week is Kung Fu Panda 4. Uh, there's got to be something better than that. But don't don't even worry about it, Tom, because we are off next Friday. So Carney has forgotten. We're not even doing a show. So we'll talk to you in two weeks. That sounds even better. <laughs> well, I'll call, you, I'll call you from home. Okay. I'll tell you all about Kung Fu Panda over the phone. It'll just be me and you. How about your uh, big dome building out there in St. Charles? What are you doing for entertainment? Uh, well, we got the circus coming up uh, with the week after next. So if you want to show the kids a good time, bring them out and check out the Moolah Shrine Circus. All right. So when is what's the date on that? Oh man, I am. I don't. It's like the Thursday through the Saturday. I think it's twenty four through twenty six. I think okay. those dates lining up right. All right. Yeah. Circus is always fun. I know Max likes the clowns. Oh no, so no, no. He'll be out there. He'll be out there as well. All right, buddy. Thanks much. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. He's Tom O'Keefe. You're not. It's one fifty five. We got news, but another hour of programming. And sadly, except for Paul Kofsky and the great Maximilian Foisy, everybody else you will hear from has passed away. Uh, well, Alex kind of an Stone odd way alive, to. So it's okay. Kind of an odd way to promote it, but it just kind of works out that way. Quick timeout. Back in a second. In the blink of an eye. An eye. Lots of questions as the U.S. is struggling to stop these relentless attacks by Iran-backed rebels. When you need to know, know, you'll hear it first on your locally owned and operated information voice in St. Louis. KTRS. AT&T has apologized, saying to help make it right, we're proactively applying a credit. Local news, traffic and weather, breaking news from around the globe with ABC News. After losing the primary in her home state of South Carolina, she's now losing a top donor. Keeping you informed when things happen. The Big 550 KTRS. It's as simple as that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go. This is the Big 550. At the gym and in the car. Every morning on my drive to work. KTRS St. Louis. Nationally known. <laughs> locally owned. So excited about the fire Festival. It... <laughs> I, it, it is inexplicable, and one would think, and he spent some time behind bars, and if you didn't hear the news, in the schmooze, Max told us about the guy that did that fake festival in the Caribbean 
uh, and took everybody's money, and it really was bologna and cheese sandwiches waiting for you in your tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, far cry from what it uh, proclaimed to be. He's doing it again, and people are buying tickets. You'd think there would have been some stipulation in his sentencing that said you can't do that anymore. Well, I guess this is kind of like Lucy and Charlie Brown and the football. Charlie Brown is thinking she can't take it away from me again, and then, of course, Lucy always does. So I feel like people are like, well, he can't scam us all again. Well, yes, he can. Well, Lucy didn't stoop a bunch of people out of a lot of money. 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 <laughs> uh, thank you for all the texts. I imagine you've got winners, Max. A lot of people yes. wanted to get their hands on stuff. And we'll have another giveaway, not next week because we're off, but in two weeks we'll have another Max on Movies giveaway. I think we're going to be giving away copies of the Mean Girls musical, so that'll be fun. And uh, an interesting observation from the uh, 785 on the Michael's Bath text line Dune is the caviar of the sci-fi fantasy world. People pretend they like it because it's the cool thing to do. Um, Well stated. And uh, I've often thought that of things like the Maltese Falcon in Casablanca. But another argument for maybe next hour. Julie will be back tomorrow, or she'll be back on Monday. She will be here tomorrow, right? Girl Talk? That's right. Girl Talk at 4 p.m. tomorrow. Rob Merlin from Smart Flyer joins us. They're the ones that have the rates on all the uh, trips? Yeah, it's like a a travel agent, basically. Okay. All right. I imagine she keeps them busy. Um what about you? You're doing a movie thing, too. That's right. Tim Blake Nelson joins us. He's been a regular in Coen Brothers movies and also a review of a new Coen Brothers or a singular brother film called uh, Drive Away Dolls. And I'm trying not to be hurt that I'm the only one that wasn't asked to do more programming. But I think this is probably enough of me. Well, but you? think about it. Girl Talk is an hour. Movie show is sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours. You do three hours a day. So I think We that, do it together. Nah, you've got us beat. You're right. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really sad this morning when I heard uh, Wendy and Jennifer talking about Bob Heil in the past tense. And I was taken aback that uh, we lost Bob Last Thursday, the family just making it public this morning. I don't know any details about services, but we'll certainly pass those along. And he was a he was a dear friend, friend of the show, friend of the station, and just friend. Um, we had a chance to to visit on many occasions. Uh, I did manage to keep one digitized in my computer. Just a little piece of that talking about some of the uh, rock influences he helped to create. I'm sure you know some of the stories. But we'll have that a little bit later on. And I found out about it 
while I was already going through an interview I did with comedian Richard Lewis. There were actually a couple, and it was weird because they were very, very different. I think one of my visits with him was when Jay Leno uh, left The Tonight Show because most of our conversation in that one was about Jay Leno and Jonathan Winters. So it might have been when Jonathan died, uh, but like most of us, he was a big fan of Jonathan Winters. And I was a big fan of Richard Lewis and everything else that he did. Most recently, seen on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I think people that have been watching that recently knew that there was something behind the scenes going on, that he wasn't looking good. Um, but he was very private about that. Um, suffered a heart attack on Tuesday uh, and died peacefully, according to his publicist, at the age of 76. But some longevity, to say the least. I mean, he was a big part of the uh, Comic Relief series and a good friend of Robin Williams and Whoopi and Billy Crystal. Um, there was a show on ABC. It didn't last very long. But it was a good show, and there was good chemistry with Jamie Lee Curtis when Richard Lewis was in something called Anything But Love. Um, Curb, I mentioned, I didn't realize when I was pouring over some of his work that uh, he also was in the film Leaving Las Vegas, which is anything but a comedy. Of course, the only thing I remember of that is Elizabeth Shue wearing a plastic outfit. What did, uh, Max, what did Richard Lewis play in Leaving Las Vegas? It's been so long since I've seen it, so I do not remember his appearance in the film. Yeah. I do I remember, him, remember him in Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's what I was going to played, say, yeah. Played himself with the with the elf shoes, pretty much. And I think of, of all the comedians who have come before him and since very few have been able to pull off the narcissistic hypochondriac, if you will, like he did. Uh, in fact, so good at times it was difficult to tell whether he was really upset about something or this was a shtick. But um, like I said, I was blessed to be able to have a couple of sit-downs with him and a brief reminiscence here of some of the other stuff that he had done. Richard Lewis, John Carney, what a pleasure, sir. John, hey, man. Good to be in St. Louis and with you, man. Are we on the air now, John? We could be. <laughs> you always you always like to have the, uh, the edge, don't you? Well, I don't know. Last time we talked, it was when Jonathan Winters had passed away, and I was mid-sentence, and you said, you know, there's someone at the gate. And off you went. <laughs> And you were gone. Well, that's what Jonathan Winters always did with me for eight or ten years. Yeah. Almost every day when he wanted to hang up, someone's at the gate. Boom. Look, and I want to get to the box set, and I don't want to start this on a sour note, but let's, Robin Williams passing away and such a, a sad situation with depression that he dealt with that obviously got the better of him at the end. And I was thinking about that with you because so much of your comedy 
is about your own insecurities, your own depression. Do you think it helps you personally because you've got that vehicle of the stage uh, to, to let that personal stuff out that he didn't? Yes, I do. It is bundle of nerves, and it's got to be interesting, probably like writing one's own autobiography. When you go you go back and you present some of your early aspiring stand-up stuff and then portraying yourself as a dark drunk, which by your own admission wasn't much of a stretch to where you are now. So what, what cathartic happened in putting this together? There were a lot of parts of my career that sort of were on the business side, got screwed up, were never distributed, were never made on D, put on DVD. But more importantly, there were really... Im- major moments in my life and you know one was starting out just having the 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 courage and the nerve uh to be a comedian i mean i knew nobody i had no money i didn't know who to call i just knew the names of the people the stars and and you get some luck and you have some talent you can do it did you ever think that maybe you'd go a different direction like maybe i'll wear mime paint (laughs) no uh mime paint would have been last on my list, you know, maybe dressing up like a, a cast member of Cats would have come before a mind page. No, you know what? Honestly, the, uh, the reason I went on stage, you know, uh, is because I felt fairly uh, misunderstood off stage, and the audience became like a surrogate family for me. And uh, when they laughed at, at some of the dark stuff, I felt validated that I wasn't crazy, that, it, that they must have felt the same feelings. Is there an age, Richard, where you're no longer going to wear Chuck Taylors? <laughs> I, I didn't wear Chuck Taylors, uh, and, and uh, I did a, a Bogdanovich film, which is, uh, she's funny that way, with uh, Aniston and uh, Owen Wilson and Imogen Poots and all sorts, and Will Forte and... Sybil Shep is my wife, and I play a, red, a redneck. Rednecks don't wear. I mean, they might, but I didn't. Or I, I play a redneck. It's called She's Funny That Way. It's at the Venice Film Festival now. And uh, No, I, I sometimes, and, and on deeply religious holidays, I put on shoes. <laughs> <laughs> RichardLewisOnline.com. Follow him on Twitter at the Richard Lewis and Bundle of Nerves. By all means, go out and grab this two-DVD set that walks you through it all with nothing but laughs and entertainment, which you've always brought forth. Love to visit whenever we can do it, and I hope we can talk again. Me too. Thanks a million, man. Be well. Bye-bye. So, uh, also, that was just a a piece of about a 15- or 20-minute visit, and uh, I believe we're going to throw that up on the page, on the Carney Show page, if you want to hear the whole thing. It was pretty good. He was just putting out a box set at the time, which is what brought him to us. Anyway, I'm glad he came to us. And thanks, Richard, for a lot, a lot of laughs. Um, Okay, when we come back on Monday, we have an embarrassment of riches. I mean, from Martin Kilcoin, Mr. TV Sports, but also Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is a, a terrific uh, show on uh, NBR. And uh, Dr. Phil on the show, which I really, they offered him to me. And I thought, you know, you know I'm not a fan, but I thought Julie loves him. And boy, wouldn't that get in her craw if I talked to Dr. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> 
see a glimpse inside. I really am a terrible person, people. Just so you know. Just saying. Um, coming up, we're going to uh, check in with uh, Paul Kopsky. That's on the way, too. Um, and it was like, again, like a one-two punch this morning with while I was working on the Richard Lewis stuff, I got the news about Bob Heil, who was a great friend. Um, and I think a lot of people know the stories about the talk box he invented, uh, that Joe Walsh and Peter Frampton and Richie Sambora used, and um, so many things, giant uh, PAs and amps that still remain with some of the bands today. Uh, and I was a little surprised when I went into my archives that I only have one saved conversation. But every time we talked, it was something about music, and it was always interesting. I'm so the place to be. Honorary degree for Bob Heil, so he's no longer Bob Heil. He is Dr. Dr. Bob Heil. How do you like that, Mr. Carney? 20-plus years we have been breaking the airwaves together, and you're a doctor, and, well, I'm still miring in mediocrity. Well, you're doing quite well, and I'm extremely honored by this uh, this award. I, I just, uh, I'm still, like, shocked they picked me. I mean, you got to understand that uh, I still take the trash out for Sarah, so, you know, nothing changes there. <laughs> and, Still doing my thing, uh, running around, uh, trying to make everybody uh, sound better, stuff like that, you know. Did you also, didn't you give a commencement address or you're going to? Yeah, I'm going to give the commencement address also. Huh? That's pretty exciting, I'd say. It is, and I, 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 I love doing these things. I do a lot of speeches. I just got back from the Radio Club of America in New York City at the... Uh, uh, New York Athletic Club. It's quite a prestigious club. It goes on for over a hundred years, and uh, oh, they they honor a lot of people that have had a lot to do in broadcasting and wireless and radio and so on. Of course, I did the amateur radio side of things, but I love doing that, sharing all of the experiences, and so much of what I have done and. Uh, has led me to be the only manufacturer in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have a large display right beside uh, Les Paul's display. How honored was that? And it all became uh, of being an amateur radio operator. And, and a really cool piece of that is I met up with a guy on the air about two weeks into being a ham in 1956, and it was Larry Burroughs, who was a chief engineer at KMOX Radio. I would go there in the back benches when they were down on Sydney Street, and uh, he would teach me how to solder and the color code of resistors and how to make things and build things. And it was all of that that I learned uh, that brought me uh, to where we are today, and we still continue doing that. And so I'm really, really happy that I became a ham radio operator, and we're very involved in that, of course. And it gave you an idea of how pervasive Heil Sound is and uh, the innovations of Bob Heil. You are listening to me through a Heil microphone this very moment. A PR-40. See, I don't, I don't know the technical yeah, part. How does he know that? It took all of their RE-20s and tossed them aside some years ago, and it's happening all over America. And it, it's a thing that Joe Walsh and I 
it was built. We designed this on his kitchen table, believe it or not, in uh, Studio City. He wanted me to build him a better microphone and two ham radio operators. Yes, Joe Walsh is a ham. He's very technical. And uh, he said, we got to do this and do it. Why don't you try that? And so I did. And, boy, we really have made some inroads with new technology while all the other old brands have moved off the shore. And it's kind of sad. We're we're still hard-headed uh, Germans here. We're 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 putting them together here in Fairview Heights. And some, of, some of the other stuff you've created that has changed the face of music that that even the, just the average pedestrian music lover would understand is the talk box that yeah. Joe Walsh used a bunch and certainly Peter Frampton on Frampton Comes Alive. And now you're hard-pressed to find anybody who doesn't have it in their equipment arsenal. We put it together. Joe and I put it together for Rocky Mountain Way. Again, two ham radio operators. He wanted to do this live, and we put that together for that. And then a few years later, uh, we were doing Humble Pie, and they pulled uh, Frampton out as a solo act, and I gave it to him for a Christmas present, and you can write the rest of that history. Didn't Peter Frampton get married at your house? Well, it was his girlfriend, Penny. She He wrote a song, Penny for Your Thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think she was 18. We had several of those. You better hope she was 18, Bob. Yeah. What was what? going on in that house? Oh, that was it. I also love the the Grateful Dead story, being being a deadhead anyway, but, but the tie-in to you, and I just recently found out how that whole thing even started with you and building the sound for the Grateful Dead and then subsequently the Who after that. Well, it started, I, you know, I played the organ at the Fox. I was Stan Can's protege. When I was 15, I started playing the Fox at the substitute shows for Stan. And uh, I, oh, along about 66, I, I opened this little music store, and you know the rest of the story there. Ye old Music became famous around the globe for things that we could do and different. It was one of the first pro shops. And one day, about 69, I rolled behind the Fox just to see what was going on. Hadn't been there a couple years, and they had these big speakers out uh, near the dumpsters. And I went in and saw the stage manager. What are you doing? Well, we're putting in new speakers. I said, what's all that? He said, well, we're throwing them away. Can I have them? Well, sure. So I took those speakers and built this monster PA. Now, John, I didn't know no one else had not done this. And my ham radio, again, gave me the the advantage to build all the amps and stuff. And uh, in 1971, whenever that famous date was, the Grateful Dead came to the Fox to play. They were on tour, and the night before, their stuff all got confiscated by the FBI because <laughs> their sound man was on probation, and they found out about it. So they captured him in uh, New Orleans the night before and took the truck and all the gear. They come into the Fox. Where's our gear? And so the stage manager called me, and he said, you still got the big speakers? And I said, sure. He said, talk to this guy. Handed the phone to Jerry Garcia, and there's an article. You can go look it up in Google. The night rock and roll sound was born. Sure, we'll just cruise into the weekend. So I know you bleed blue. You wear blue stuff in here most days. And yeah. We'll slip in a little something about the team if there are things going on or the Super Bowl party you're going to this weekend. A couple of weeks um, ago anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's, this is a rerun, so people think we're playing <laughs> tape. This is the best of Carney, as one texter said. No, it's That's March really 1st. It's, see, I'm proving it. It's March 1st. Oh. Although we could have recorded that earlier, I guess. <laughs> You're trying could to prove it. could be last March 1st. Oh, no. How can I prove that it's actually today? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, take, I'm having a moment. Take a picture of the calendar. No, that wouldn't work. No, that wouldn't work either. Oh, my Lord. Ponder that. This is a punch to the gut for you and all of Blues Nation, I thought, when I saw it. Saturday, there's a game tomorrow. Blues are home. They're playing Minnesota. And uh, we all may have planned to either go or kick back and watch it on ABC. And I don't know whether you know you heard the news this morning. I did. But ABC said, eh, we're going to find a better game. Yeah, they flexed to a different game because the, the Minnesota-St. Louis game didn't seem to have the interest because the two teams, are, I think, are both out of the playoffs right now. I didn't realize they could do that. Yeah, that's I mean, happened to me being a Dolphins fan before where they I've been really excited about a game and they go, no, we're going to switch over to something else. Yeah, the networks yeah. want that flexibility to get the ratings, yeah. I would think. And I, it makes sense. I mean, it's not a diss on the Blues. It's just a diss on their record. It was going to be at 2 o'clock, I think, in the afternoon tomorrow. They moved it to 5, and it's still going to be on local TV, um, the usual network that the Blues are on. So. Yeah, they say Bally Sports Midwest uh, just after 5. Unless Bally said, oh, we found a Little League baseball game in California. <laughs> Which might be more interesting than the lowly Blues, right? Oh, come on. Keep the home fires burning, buddy. We're not there yet. Well, the trade deadline, I think, is one week from today, and there's a lot of intrigue about what the Blues are going to do. Yeah, is Bennington going to go away? I think Pavel Bushnevich might go and uh, Marco Scandella, but uh, those are just a couple of names. I don't know if they'd be so bold as to trade Jordan Bennington. All right, if they're looking for big moves, it's not like, yeah. know, I don't know. And as far as value of what you'd get for a trade... I mean, there are very few that would garner more money. Yeah, I kind of feel like you might have to make big, big swings like that, you know? Yeah, I guess it's, um, you know, the rebuild continues, it seems, because they're probably probably going to be sellers a week from today or leading up to a week from today. When do we become mathematically out of it? I think that's going to take a while, don't you think, Max? Yeah, I think that there's still crazy things that could happen. It's just St. Louis fans are nothing if not impatient. And if you don't win early, then you're written off. This happens every year with the Cardinals. Well, the Cardinals have no chance. And then it's October baseball, except last year. I think we're five (laughs) points out of the playoffs right now. Speaking of crazy things happening, all right, give it. we have to live vicariously through you every weekend. What are you doing, Captain? Well, it's, it is about the blues this weekend a little bit because I'm going to a barbecue slash watch the blues lose party. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, Are they uh, calling it that? Not really, but that's kind of what I've nicknamed it. I like it. But uh, the, it's going to be watch the blues, uh, barbecue some stuff, have some food, and a few uh, drinks. What's a few? Just out of curiosity, asking for a friend. Oh, man. Got to maintain because I have to drive home, you know. Okay. All right. Well, that's good advice. Sobriety is no accident. Remember, you don't have to drive home. There's always an Uber. That's right. (laughs) 
which are uber yeah, go expensive. Ahead. Knock that pint out. No, I'm You're saying fine. if you do, you shouldn't have the mentality of I have to drive home. There's always an option to grab a taxi. That's right. Or stay at the friend's house. There's way too much attractive. Way too much logic coming out on this show, <laughs> and I just realized none of it's from me. We will uh, check in with you again this afternoon with news and traffic and such. Sounds Have good, a John. Fantastic weekend, Polly. You, you too, John. Where is old Joshy? Uh, I imagine Josh is prepping with Heidi right now. Oh, they said he was in the room earlier. No, no, no. Earlier, he was uh, talking about Dogtown Pizza on a recorded advertisement. That's what I was talking about. Oh, I thought you meant he was in the room. See, because he'll often bust in and say, hey, here's what we're doing. And I know one of his guests, one of his guests this afternoon looked very familiar, didn't it, Maxie? Yeah, and uh, I immediately shot out a missive to the person that I was dealing with saying, hey, any update on this? Seeing as how we were sharked. And what did they share with you? I haven't even heard back yet. So I don't know how, uh, how we were usurped there, but we were. Well, Bill Bradley's going to be on this afternoon uh, with Josh and Heidi. It should have been us. We had him booked. We had him booked for yeah. this past Tuesday, I believe. And then should they have just, been oh, us. Look, look who it is, Josh Gilbert. He doesn't have any headphones, though, but he'll do his best. Hey, Josh, we're here. Take these. Hi, John. Hey, what's going on, Hamburglar? What are you guys How talking about, John Stamos? Bill Bradley. We had him booked for the yesterday or last week. And he had to reschedule. And then there he goes popping up on afternoons. Crazy. Well, I I think he saw what his options were, and he went with the best one. Yeah, well, kind of got me there, pal. He's great. He is great. He'll be on at 3.30 today. He really is. What a nice man. He was still very much immersed in politics when we talked decades ago. And he's still very much with it and involved in issues. And, you know, he's the uh, shining beacon of Crystal City. Yeah. Yes. And he won a gold medal. But the question is, does he even know where it is today? And you'll find out at 3.30. You're going to ask him something that personal? Yes. Um, What about John Stamos again? I just figured you were a fan because he's on those sappy sitcoms that you like. You mean Full House? Sure. The only sitcom that he was really... I guess he was in some sitcom where he was somebody's grandpa. What was that show a couple of years ago? I don't think yeah, it lasted exactly. very long. Now, are you still a sitcomer or are you still... Have you matured? No, I. I the only thing I watch now is Cars 1, 2, and 3... And and now we're into the Toy Stories, so at least we get to change it up a little bit. But you remember those days. That'll be fun. And I I don't imagine you have a VHS machine. Oh, my gosh, no. Do you have a CD player or a DVD player? The DVD player is downstairs in a box. I saw it the other day. We have hundreds of movies of Disney Thomas the Train, uh, the Vegetable Guys. <laughs> That's tales. not what it was called. Yes, but uh, Yes. Well, you can talk to Max when I handed the headphones back about that because all of that stuff, John, is now streaming. 
Disney Plus, everything yeah. is there. Yeah, you know, so you you take those clamshell Disney VHS tapes. They're actually worth money to collectors if you still have them. But I do. Otherwise, I, I got. Otherwise, you know what I have? You've them. moved me twice. You know what I have? Oh my gosh! Let's not even bring that up. I have got to get rid of some of this stuff, but it's better than what I used to collect. But parking tickets. Oh, there we. I was I was leaving you just a little bit of space for I the joke. Um, so, do you have a certain number of things where somebody might look at you and say, "You're strange." Uh, man. No, I think the only thing that I ever brought up was my Lego collection, which is not even big compared to most adult Lego collectors, but it's growing. Now, are you going with the kits and like the life-size Les Paul or the two-and-a-half-foot Volkswagen Bug? I've got a uh, DB5 from James Bond, the, uh, the Aston Martin. I've got a Vespa scooter. Uh, I've got a portrait of one of the Beatles. You have to pick. You got four options, but you have to pick one, or else you have to buy three more. So I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pick John. You know, let the text line open on that one. Um, and I've got. I want the Home Alone house. That, but it's like 500 bucks. So, if you want to give me a Christmas present this year, John, or my birthday's in August. You are going deep. Yeah. Yes. So you are going deep, and those are not cheap collections no, at all. No, reserved for Christmas and birthdays. Do you ever take them apart and try to put them together again? No. Oh, <laughs> God, no. No. Do I know even know where the book is for my Hogwarts castle? No. Yeah, my kids would put, you know, we do the little smaller ones, the Star Wars, I don't know what they were. But they put together whatever it was, and there were certain pieces that that you needed that, you know, for were for that scene, not just a block. They put it together, then they throw it all in the same Lego box. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. like this, you're never going to be able to make what you had there. That's a nightmare. It might come with something new. Yeah. What you do you could, got beside? There's a store I think in Webster or Kirkwood where you can go in and find specific Lego pieces that you're missing. So. I don't know what it's called, but Google is your friend. Other Why than, don't you get them and give us Bruce Bradley back or uh, Bill Bradley? Bruce uh, Bradley's no longer with us. Who is Bruce Bradley? You can have. You can have. Bruce he was Bradley. on Camo X for a lot of years. <laughs> oh wow! Um, we got Bill Bradley at three thirty. Ward on wine at in the four o'clock hour, and then you know Hollywood randoms and top five at five. All the good stuff. When are you having uh, Dan Morin and Marshall Brain and <laughs> Restaurant Tuesday? Yeah, well, we got Johnny Londoff coming in. Okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll be listening after three. Say hi to Heidi. Give her my condolences, buddy. All right, we got to stop for a second, then we'll check in with Alex Stone, a feature you're going to hear on Afternoon Drive, I'm sure, very soon. And it's called Stone on the Phone. We'll have it for you shortly. Thanks, radio. I've read about this thing. It's time for Stone on the Phone. And we're, trust me, Alex, we are working on a jingle I am as we speak. Yes, I am. Stone well, on the Phone. Well, the collective phone, phone, phone. 
I yeah, like stone on the what, phone. Let's I have think. that dry for a minute. So let's everybody everybody be <laughs> Give quiet. Give me one more yeah. time. Yeah. And in three, two, yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Oh, oh you want you actually do it again? Stone on the phone, 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 phone. All right, I will use that. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a wrap, <laughs> everybody. I want a little music to it, though. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> I, you know, we get. We get six inches of snow, and it's Armageddon in St. Louis. To read that Sierra Nevada, today and tomorrow, 48 hours, 144 inches. I can't even wrap my brain around that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nuts. Uh, and it may even be more than that when uh, when they're done. Uh, so 144, obviously, would be 12 feet. They're talking about maybe 15 feet in, in some areas. To the point where ski resorts today are saying, please do not come. When do ski resorts say that? Uh, typically, the, the snow is so great that they're saying, get ready, going to be amazing powder. But they're saying, no, that, that if you go to the mountains, that it's going to be dangerous to, to travel, obviously. But they're more worried about people getting stuck there and then not being able to get out of there, not having any electricity. So they're saying, don't come this weekend. Uh, plan a trip next weekend because it's going to be too dangerous. You're going to slide off the road. Yosemite National Park totally shut down as of about three hours ago. They ordered everybody out of the park, out of all the hotels, everything else in the park. And uh, there are a lot of tourists. We've heard uh, from some from the Netherlands and from Maryland and elsewhere saying that they're on their vacations, that they had planned these trips for a long time. They wanted to see the the national park, and now they're being told they've got to leave. All the lodges are going to be empty. They, They want the roads clear. And then there's a bunch of Yosemite employees who live in Yosemite to keep the hotels operating, the restaurants, the stores, the, the roads clear, all of that. And uh, they're locking down tonight. That they, They've got generators. They've got emergency food. That They say that they're getting ready in case they are trapped in Yosemite for an extended period of time. Um, and then near Lake Tahoe, everything is closing down today. The, the hotels are telling people either leave or don't come, and those who are there, they're saying plan on not leaving the hotel and, and hunkering down for a couple of days. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of snow. It's the Hotel California. I don't, I'm not familiar with the typical weather in that part of the country, but how, how, uh, how much of an anomaly is this? Well, for this amount, this is a lot. And the, the, these are areas, whether it be Mammoth, which is a big ski resort area, the, the tallest mountain uh, ski resort mountain in, in California, or up to the north in Lake Tahoe, which uh, there's a lot of skiing around there of some real well-known uh, places, um, or Yosemite, which does get a lot of snow. They get snow. And, in fact, they make their livelihoods off of getting snow because of all the, the ski resorts in the area. But this amount at one time, 144 inches, is an incredible amount. Last year, right around this same time, there was a big snowstorm that came in, and they shut down Yosemite as well. So they've only done it in the the history of of the park a handful of times because of snow. And they've had other things, flooding and wildfires. But because of snow, it is rare. And this is going to be the the second year in a row where they say, hey, they got to do it because if people get stuck in the park, they're going to have a bigger problem. It's pretty treacherous getting in and out of Yosemite. You add snow into it, and it's just downright dangerous. And so they're trying to plan ahead. Hopefully by tomorrow night or Sunday, they're going to say, you know what, it wasn't that bad, open it back up. They fear, though, that it's, it is going to be bad and that it will be shut down for a while. But in the meantime, they're saying, everybody out. We, we know you spent a lot of money. It's hard <laughs> to get reservations in Yosemite. You'll get your money back, but everybody go. Wow. So California 
dealing with so much rain and water, landslides have become a giant issue. And these giant mansions and other homes, too, are just rolling down the hill, and all people can do is watch. Now, is this the kind of thing, too, that might turn into that kind of disaster? Are there a lot of big homes that might be in the wake of an avalanche? Uh, you know, probably not in uh, from these. That's more when L.A. gets hit by rain because of the, the sandy ground in the, the Southern California area. Yeah, the avalanches will be a concern, typically not in populated areas with homes, maybe with ski resorts, but not with homes. There was a deadly one in the Lake Tahoe area a couple of weeks ago that uh, took out a couple of skiers. So they do have to worry about it there. Um, mudslides are always a concern this time of year uh, around L.A., and there is some rain falling, so that's going to continue to be a problem. But this is going to be a do people in the next two days get trapped in the mountains and can't get out. Looking forward to the next stone on the phone, my friend. <laughs> you got it. You guys have a good weekend. All right. You too, Alex. We got our drop. We're well underway there, Maxie. That's right. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to work on that over the weekend. I'll, I'll have it by next week. Uh, again, we mentioned to you next week, in fact, just Monday alone, Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me returns to the show. And it's a visit with Dr. Phil, who tells me flat out, there is no help for me. That's the first time I've ever agreed with Dr. Phil. Ouch. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everybody. This is KTRS St. Louis. For Julie, we'll be back Monday. And Max Foisy, I'm John Carney. Thanks for listening. Be good to each other. Back, back.